A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Playboys. We're back with original Playboys. It's Shakespeare time. Uh, myself, the Dean, and Playboy Alex. Yay! That fade out was way too slow. Um, so, <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's still going. What do you mean? Your voice faded out perfectly there. <laughs> so, we are doing Much Ado About Nothing. Um, yes. Which you told me is also called Love's Labours 1, um, but which I also call a play about some mean people. <laughs> now, you say that, and we'll get into it a bit later. There are some places I agree with you, and some places I think fits very well into just Shakespearean drama. Like, he, it, it just makes sense. You're going to have a fight over some of these things, and... Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it, so It's just... The logic works, I feel, in some of these cases. It does. So let me say that first half, no issues. Second half, I, I have some problems with the morality, but like those are... Yeah. If this yeah. is happening time, now, like I think I, times, within this yeah. context, it's fine. Like I can't say I'll defend Beatrice on some points, um, but then I will defend her on another. Yeah. You know what? I'm just going to say like this is my absolute favorite play Shakespeare's ever done. Maybe it's just because of the version that we watched. I've never seen it performed better. Mm-hmm. And you seem to enjoy it yourself, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I should caveat it by saying this is the first time we've done an episode of any play where I've actually read and watched the play in preparation. Um, and I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very different, like, it's change of pace, but I feel like reading it may not have given the same feeling necessarily like i don't know so you read it as well right i just watched yeah. it this time and it, it took me 25 plays to actually watch one so that's <laughs> <laughs> i mean there's 40 some or so so yeah yeah so i think so far we, this is our 15th shakespeare we've done nine just or ten, uh, other plays and look you know it's fine i mean when it comes to working out the proportion of Shakespeare's, we exclude the histories. So we've actually done quite a good proportion once you exclude all the histories because, you know, they're boring. Yeah, yeah. Again, I agree with PJ. We should maybe do Richard III at some point in the future. Uh, maybe after we do some Greeks and come back to Shakespeare or something. Yeah, but... so you've you've let the the thousands and thousands of, of, of uh, new listeners into the um the secret <laughs> that we we will do some greek plays uh, in the I'm new year pretty sure we've already said that at some point oh well i don't know maybe we have. if we did then uh, we've taken a long time to get right to it so <laughs> also true also true <laughs> but no we said we would do one last shakespeare before we kind of put a pause on it so i just thought let's let's do it it's much ado about nothing and um, the title uh very fitting i think they don't really yeah. get around to anything <laughs> I absolutely agree. Yeah, it is about nothing. It's all because of Don John being a, you know, prick. Like, I I know in the version we watched, it may not have shown necessarily, uh, I don't know, like, why? Or they kind of covered it, but we don't really know why I feel that he doesn't like them. Uh, yeah, honestly, I, I mean, from reading it as well, I'm no no clearer. It's not as if you okay. know the play skipped over it or you know, anything. It's no from reading it, I still can't figure out his problem. So we've mentioned we've mentioned Don John, and I suppose that's a good segue into the dramatis persona, which I always like to start with. Um Don John is the bastard brother of Don Pedro, the Prince of Aragon. So that's two chaps. Then we have two young lords of Florence and Padua, respectively, Claudio and Benedict. They're two of our kind of main characters. 
Um, yeah. And we have Leonardo. He's the governor of Messina, and the play is set in Messina, so he he's another kind of main character. And Leonardo comes equipped with daughter Hero and niece Beatrice, and they are also so. I, I suppose those five, right? Claudio, Benedict, Leonardo, Hero, and Beatrice are our kind of core five, and then the others are kind of secondary. Is that is that fair? Yeah, yeah. I, now I feel so. Maybe then Don John doesn't like Claudio and them because he's the bastard son and he's like jealous of them or something because don't they well don't they call claudio a prince at some point yeah i mean my dramatis persona says young lord but during the play they do refer to him as a prince once or twice yeah so, so i i don't know i wonder if that's part of it like it that's why be. he's trying to ruin their lives but he's also not a main character he's not a main villain he's kind of nothing I saw it as though he's the main villain, but he just doesn't really appear. <laughs> he's only we really in like one or two of his, scenes. Like, manservant or whoever it is. Yeah, right? so he has two lackeys, um, Boraccio and Conrad. Um, Boraccio, yeah. He's yeah. the other one that we we see about as much as uh, Don John. Yeah, I think that's but... that's fair. We also have Antonio, who is Leonardo's brother uh, in a minor role, and Balthazar, who is Don Pedro's servant in a minor role. Um, and just to round it off, Hero has two kind of gentlewomen in waiting, or whatever they're called, Margaret and Ursula. And then we have the two police officers, um, Dogberry and Verges. Verges, okay. I don't think they ever say his name in the play. So I don't think I so, it. no. And there's a friar as well. I think that's that's more or less the cast. Oh, yeah, yeah. The friar actually does something in this. I mean, and already does something better than in Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> yeah, I he by does. It's the Friar's fault that Romeo and Juliet oh, has a tragic it's, end, ending. It's, it's romance's fault, sir. It's romance, but it's the Friar that caused it. <laughs> well, it's long-term <laughs> causes and short-term, you know, catalysts. So we open in Messina, and Act One, Scene One. It's not. I should also clarify if anyone's interested in kind of reading this one. Here, but it's not a very long play uh, to read, at least. It's mid-length, you know, and it's um, also. Roughly the middle of his oeuvre, just before the, the mid-mark. So, and this is where he Yeah. Yeah. So we begin with Leonardo and, of course, his niece and daughter, um, Beatrice and Hero. Um, now, a couple of times in the opening scenes, my notes say, and others. But, like, the others don't do anything or say anything. So I don't know. It's always clear to say, like, enter these three people and others. And then the others do nothing. So I don't really know why. I feel like it's kind of like an entourage or something to show that they're upper class and they have all these people around. around them. Yeah, I mean, you have that especially for like a party, right? Yeah, yeah. There's one particular scene later with a party where I think that would be fitting. Um, but in the first scene, I'm not so sure. But I suppose it doesn't really matter. And there's a there's a messenger um, present as well. So Leonardo opens the play and he says that Don Pedro is coming and the messenger kind of chats with him about that. So that's our introduction to one of our main characters and Beatrice is there as well. Now Beatrice is kind of to use a Shakespearean comparison, she's a little bit shrewish if uh, yeah, if we can take that. I already don't like that word because I don't like that play. But (laughs) um, yes, it is very true. She's not a fan of men in general but then you also have her counterpart benedict who's not really a fan of women and it's like just come on like don't get married just be a bachelor forever yeah they're equal and opposite um yes and so initially the messenger mentions don pedro's come and he's bringing some chaps with him and you know beatrice is asking if um senor montanto is returning and then we find out montanto is really benedict and Leonardo explains the messenger's very kind of prim and proper and, and Leonardo explains no don't worry like don't answer her seriously she's just uh has these kind of verbal skirmishes of wit with uh with Benedict and they don't like each other but it's it's all a merry kind of jest so don't uh you know don't don't worry about it and we find out that Don Pedro is going to arrive and in he comes accompanied by um Benedict himself and I believe uh Claudio also at this point and, and Balthazar uh in in two and John, the villain. But at this point, he doesn't really do anything. Yeah, he just kind of stands there. He's just and... with them, yeah. yeah. So they have their little skirmish of wit, and uh, look, some of the things are funny. 
the way they talk you know what my dear lady to stay in are you yet living and um <laughs> you know. yeah and it starts off just fantastic because you have beatrice and benedict just going at each other's throats and being they're just so funny it's comedy that just continues to today like I, yeah i wish everything were like this I would say, though, most of the humor is actually in this first scene. There's less of it as we go along, but it's enough to give us that impression of kind of what they're generally like. Sure. They do but get into it a little bit more later. There's a little bit later, yeah. Just when I watched it, I didn't realize. It was only when I read it afterwards oh, that I kind of okay. thought, oh, most of it's actually like a good three quarters of their jesting is in the opening scene. Uh, and it, it, it cleverly just puts that idea into your head that this is what they're like. And then you just need to reprise it a little bit here and there to kind of keep that going, you know? Okay. Which is very cleverly done. Um, is, is it possible, Lady to stay in, are you yet living? And she says, is it possible to stay and should die while she has such meat food to feed it as Signor Benedict? And they just have these little things, you know, a, he, a dear happiness to women. They would else have been troubled with a pernicious suitor um, if he had been interested in women, which he says he's not. So they're always kind of having little <laughs> stabs at each other. Um, oh, you know, at, at some point, and he, she mentions, um, he, he re so she repeats something he says, and he says, "You're a rare parrot teacher." And she says, "A bird of my tongue is better than a beast of yours." And he says, "Well, I would my horse had the speed of your tongue, and so good a continuer, um, because she's kind of quick tongued." So it's just constant in this first scene. Uh, <laughs> these two oh, yeah. like back and forth, and it it just. For me, it does seem to continue throughout the play, but maybe less obvious in that case. It's still in most of the way, most of the lines that they're given, right? So later on, like, for which of my good parts did you first suffer love for me? It's like, oh, suffer love, a good epithet. I do suffer love indeed, for I love thee against my will. It's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're right. There is a bit more of it I later. Like yeah. There's that. And I think our favorite line throughout the entire thing was uh, Beatrice saying, like, what should I do with him? Dressing my apparel and making my waiting gentlewoman. He that has yes. a beard is more than a youth. After that, Leonardo says, well, then go you to hell. <laughs> yeah, go you to hell. That bit's funny. Yeah, I don't know. It's, But you can tell. I mean, I could at least, from watching it as well as reading it, from the first scene, you can kind of tell, okay, they're going to end up together, right? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. You knew that right from the get-go. And it's funny because I guess I don't know if that was meant to be the case. Like, would an audience at the time have realized immediately, or is that something we do because we've seen so many Hollywood movies and and all the rest of it? I don't know. But I think for anyone today, it's it's fairly clear where we're going. So I mean, we, I'm not yeah. going to go too much in depth into that first scene, but it's a lot of these kind of skirmishes of wit, and really, I suppose what it's doing is just introducing us to the characters more or less it's a good long kind of 300 line scene but i suppose more or less it's just introducing us to the characters a few skirmishes of wit and setting the scene for what's going to happen as we kind of go along into the play mm. they do kind of joke a little bit that you know maybe you will get in love later and, and claudio asks a little bit about hero and we find out at the end of the scene that claudio is also into hero so we have two potential uh, love stories and for some reason, and I, I will never know why, the scene closes. <laughs> so, you know what I'm going to say. Yeah, you have like, <laughs> let's dress up. I'm going to disguise myself <laughs> as you. Uh, for no reason. That was uh, Don Pedro? Yeah, Don that? Pedro just yeah. says, well, Claudio, I'll help you. Uh, I'll disguise myself as you and uh, I'll woo her for you. And I'm just like, well, why? <laughs> yeah. Why can Claudio not do it himself? I mean, okay, I get that, like, talking to women can be scary or something. Like, uh, you're just nervous about someone you like, obviously. I get it, but, like, Don Pedro could put in a word for him without having to impersonate him, you know? <laughs> I I get why they do it, because you need some sort of conflict in the play to keep the play going. There always has to be a conflict. Yeah, I suppose. And so this is when Don John basically says, like, oh, I, I heard that, or he hears from... Uh, I guess his lackey that yeah uh, Pedro is going to do this for Claudio and yeah, so yeah. he's then telling Claudio that oh Pedro's going to steal uh, steal her for himself be careful 
Yeah. So essentially, right, scene two is only about 20 lines. Antonio speaks to Leonardo and says, I've overheard what's going to happen. And Leonardo says, brilliant. I'll make sure that Hero is ready with her answer. And then scene three, which is about 75 lines, is um, Conrad telling Don John he's also over. So everyone's overheard this conversation. Um, mm. And, and Baracci was also there. And he says, well, I've got a kind of a plan. Um, and they decide... Essentially, this is where we find out we introduce the villain, essentially. Don John says, I don't like them for miscellaneous reasons, and I'm going to stop them all from being in love, but no one will really know why. Yeah. That's act one. (laughs) But it does make sense. I feel that you have this type of conflict. It doesn't last the whole play, though, which I'm very happy with. Mm -hmm. Like, this one, doesn't it end at the end of, like, act two, basically? They figure it all out. It's like, oh, that was just some lie. Forget about it. Yeah, which is weird that the conflict doesn't last. But as you say, it also no, works. What's weird is that they believe him later on. Or they believe his mm. lackey later on. Yeah, actually, that's that's a fair point. Um, so we open Act 2. I mean, we're in Leonardo's house for the majority of the early parts of the play anyway. We, we go away a little bit later. But we're still in Leonardo's house as we move into Act 2. Enter Leonardo, Antonio, Hero, and Beatrice. Uh, and again, it says, and others who, who don't speak. So I guess the idea is it's supposed to be just a constant big party in this house. There's a big train of people kind of come back from the war or whatever. So they're just all hanging around. And Leonardo asks why Count John is not at supper. And then Beatrice says he's tartly looking and they just kind of slag him off a little bit. Um, but it's interesting because here already Beatrice mentions the perfect man will be between John and Benedict. So you kind of get that little extra hint that, okay, she's got her problems with Benedict, but she also sees some good points in him that she's maybe pretending not to. There's a little hint thrown in there. I feel like she's saying between the devil and another devil. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like she has zero respect for Don John as everybody does. Yeah. And then she's also like, yeah, but Benedict is also a terrible person. So there is no man for me. Which I, comes up later on, right? So, but yeah, I mean, she does seem to think that she's going to have no man. So I suppose that's fair. This is where we get the famous line that you mentioned: um, "Go he you that into hell." Beard is more than a yeah. youth, and he that hath no beard is less than a man. No, I was mortally offended. Than... I don't know if you were, but reading this, when it basically <laughs> says, "He who has no beard is is not a man," and I was like, "Aw." <laughs> You're less than a man. Yeah, less than a man. Yeah, but which also... means that you. Go ahead. You're a youth. That means you're a youth. Well, I'll take it. But I'm going to say, so yeah. they say, being cursed, God will send you no horns. Just if he send me no husband, for the which blessing I am at him upon my knees every morning and evening. Lord, I could not endure a husband with a beard in his face. I would rather lie in the woolen. You may lie on a husband that hath no beard. I says, what should I do with him? Dress him in my apparel and make him my, my wedding gentlewoman? I was like, okay, so no beard just makes him essentially a woman. Like, that's what, I, that's what I'm seeing here. And I was a little bit offended. Um, by that, and she kind of says, "What, what are you know? What use is he to me?" Um, but then, as you you know, as she pointed out, she doesn't want him regardless. It really matter. Yeah, yeah, and I think like Benedict gets into it a little bit more later for his perfect woman, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we get that a little bit later, and his perfect. So woman he's like, uh, well, <laughs> he want he wants her to be wise and beautiful, and uh, her hair color. I'll leave it unto God, basically. <laughs> it's the only only bit that uh, we can leave unto God. So <laughs> we have some everything else. He had very specific, uh, very specific intentions. Um, Beatrice says, Adam's sons are my brethren, and it's a sin to, you know, to marry my kindred. So she doesn't need to take anyone. That's the, the specific way she phrases that. And then in come all the other characters. So Don, Pedro, Claudio, Benedict, Balthazar, John, Braccio, Margaret, Ursula, and others. Everyone's in, but they're all masked. Now, in the version we watched, this was a delightful <laughs> scene, but the disguises were left a little bit to be desired because it's very clear who was who. Yes, yes. But I do think that's part of the joke later on because uh, Beatrice is like, oh, yeah, I know exactly who this guy is, right? And then yeah. That's yeah. why she says that... Uh, uh, which one does she make him out to be? Like Don John or something? Just say like, oh, look how terrible you Yes, you she are. does. Yeah, yeah. So we get through this and everybody has a little chat and kind of pairs off and steps aside. So Don Pedro chats with Hero. Balthazar chats with Margaret. And we find out later that that's going to be important that they do have uh, 
potentially some kind of understanding. Um, Ursula chats with Antonio, but Antonio pretends that he's not Antonio. So at this point, nothing serious is really happening. They're all wearing masks and they're trying to figure out who everyone is. And, you know, there's a bit of music playing and they're having a bit of a party, essentially. Um, It's a fun but lighthearted scene. But it is a very important scene because it goes for like 350 odd lines. So it, it, it a lot does get um, kind of developed as we go on. We get this little conversation, this next skirmish between Beatrice and Benedict that you alluded to there moments ago. And she kind of slags off Benedict, you know, no, kind of knowing that it's him, I think. But she has the defense that she isn't meant to know it's him. So she can just kind of really go to town on him a little bit and uh, charge his poor little feelings. Yeah, it is a little sad for him. And but... then when they, most of them leave and we get a little conversation between some of the lads at the end, um, everyone leaves apart from John, Boraccio and Claudio. But then after that, um, John and Boraccio, after planning their usual, um, you know, mis- mischief, they also leave. And Claudio is on his own. This is the amazing scene now where Benedict comes, let's, let's see. So Benedict comes back in and asks Claudio to go with him. I wish her joy. Let's just see what happens. This is going to be the scene where they do the, the hide behind the tree and everything, isn't it? Or is that a little bit later? So act two, scene three is when they do that. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're a little bit ahead of that then. A little bit. Uh, basically you have Benedict saying something. He goes off stage Um I think, or no, I forget. So he's there for a bit and hides once he sees everyone else come in. Uh, I think Claudio first has to talk to Pedro to hear about uh, Hero wanting to be with him. Yeah, I've right? just I've just remembered what happens first. Is that it's not important, but it's that little bit where Benedict asked Don Pedro, "Can you send me on any service? Like, send me to Asia. Send me." you know, on any <laughs> yes. ridiculous task to kind of get away from Beatrice um, because after what she's said about him, essentially. Um, so it's just adding a little bit more fuel to to that whole thing. And yep. Beatrice points out that the Count is neither sad nor sick nor merry nor well, um, but has a jealous complexion. And that is more or less that. So this is, this is yeah. Claudio they're referring to now. Yeah. Um, that so... he's jealous because he thinks that Don Pedro has wooed not for him, but for himself. Yep. Which is not true. <laughs> so Pedro basically explains it right away. And this is the first time I've seen in Shakespeare where it's like, oh, that explanation was very easy and everything's fixed and they're yeah. friends again. <laughs> I'm always complaining about this. Like if they would just have a conversation and they do this time, they it's done. finally do. <laughs> and that's that's the end of the first conflict. That normally that would get everyone in the play killed in any other in any tragedy. I mean, and yeah, yeah, it is. everyone would be killed right. or yeah. you know in disguises or. And this time he's just like, no, no, here's what happens. All right, cool. <laughs> now, okay, do you think this should have just been a three act play though? Uh, I mean, so I'm you like... have the hiding. So in the play yeah. itself, he's in an orchard. He hears that. Uh, well, Pedro, everyone like they see Benedict was there and that he's hiding. Benedict doesn't know that they know that. So they're like, all right, let's just uh, play a prank on him and say that Beatrice loves him. And this is the most comedic scene for me, at least in the version that we saw, because you have him in a Christmas tree, basically, or behind curtains. And like when he hears Beatrice, um, loves him just things break in the background they drop some plates and things crash and it, it's a really funny gag i feel so the version we saw was very funny and I'll, I'll get to that in about 10 seconds as a very quick aside just for the sake of completion act two scene two is about 50 lines where john talks to baraccio again and they just make more plans to cause mischief that's just kind of inserted in, in between these two scenes um and this is the bit where they're going to try... I mean, basically, their plan, and I'm skipping ahead a little bit, is they're going to get Margaret to pretend to be Hero and get people to overhear them. So they mention it here, and then it's going to happen later. But this is just the, where they first kind of hatch the plan. So now we get to the scene that you mention, and it is the best scene in the play. Um, yeah. The version we watched is hilarious. I was disappointed then when I read it afterwards, because that humour 
doesn't really come out the same. Like that was really good uh, direction um, that we it, saw. It was entirely the director. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like um, this is where you might have had issues with Twelfth Night, right? So there's a scene mm. where they're overhearing uh, Malvolio reading the letter and all that. And you didn't really enjoy it that much. And I feel yeah. like you would have had that same type of feeling if you hadn't watched the full play this time. I don't know. Hmm. Like, That's a very fair point. But I have a question and I don't know the answer to it. You know, I feel like I have this idea of like purism, like the best ways to do it, like word for word, what's in this copy of Shakespeare that I have. But the version we saw, you know, added a lot of gags that aren't really here, but massively increased the enjoyment. So I, I kind of don't don't know where I stand on that anymore. Yeah, I feel like having... If it can improve the play, right? But this is the one, this is why it's my favorite play is because this is the one that actually can add things to it. Yeah. I have seen some versions and you've probably seen a little bit as well that just detracts from the play, right? Um, I will always go to the version of Macbeth that the Royal Shakespeare Company did. Um, that was just pointless, the changes that they made or some of the mm-hmm. things they added. Uh, I don't know. And what I will say here is the things they add increase the humor. They don't take anything away. You know, they don't affect what's there. There's no subtraction. It is just here's a little bit extra to increase the humor. And I think that's why they're getting away with it. You know, they haven't gone in and like made any drastic changes. They've just put a little sprinkle on top. Yeah, basically. And I think that's why it works. This is what a long scene is about 250, 260 lines, something like that. But essentially, it's these comedic moments. But the overall gist of it is um, they're having this conversation with Benedict in the background, but they're trying to convince him by by saying that Beatrice likes him. Mm. So essentially, there's there's a double plan here. They're going to try to talk about Beatrice liking Benedict in front of Benedict, and they're going to try and talk about Benedict liking Beatrice in front of Beatrice. And the idea, I suppose, is that by them both thinking the other one likes them, they'll just get together somehow. And it works. <laughs> yeah, it, it somehow does work. And this is where, yeah, you have to just suspend your disbelief. Um, it's like, oh, maybe I was that boy on the playground who was actually just flirting with the girl when I was being mean to her. And I feel like that's a little bit of a dirty feeling to have these days. Uh, It's a stereotype I've never understood, you know, like I I would never be mean to someone because I like them. I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. This is also the one that has uh, my favorite monologue from him. uh, The one I was talking about earlier, Uh, basically rich she shall be. That's certain wise or I'll none virtuous or I'll never, never cheapen her fair or I'll ever look on her mild or come not near me noble or I'll not for an angel of good discourse and an excellent musician. And her hair shall be of what color? Please God. (laughs) (laughs) You love that scene. It's very good. It is. It is. So that's act two. That's act two. We're already two fifths of the way. Act three. Isn't this when um, they basically have the wedding? Not yet. So I'm going to say the first half of this play is great. It goes downhill a little bit in the second half. Um, and that includes the I first agree. half of Act Three in with the first half, because Scene One, Act Three, Scene One is the same scene again in uh, not in reverse, um, gender swap scene, right? Beatrice. So they do it with Hero, uh, yeah, yeah. So Hero and Margaret and, and Ursula talk. It's less of humorous. It's less humorous. I wish they kind of could have done more, but yeah, you had to have had it with uh, Beatrice as well, just so that the play works. Yeah, and it's quicker as well. It's only about a hundred lines this time, hundred and ten. You know, and they just kind of do a, the same thing again. So I guess it was never going to be as good watching essentially a copy and paste, but it, it just gets us. I, I think it's still fine. I think it's after that scene that things go downhill. I feel like if it were modern times, Shakespeare could have done a rewrite on it and maybe pulled the rug out from under us in a couple of ways. Like kind of, I don't know, do something unexpected. Because it just seems to just be like paint by numbers here. Like, all right, we have to have this happen and this happen. Yeah, maybe there was a better way that that could have been done. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We go to Act 3, Scene 2. Not 
really a lot happening um, in this one. It is just over 100 lines, 120 lines. Nothing really happens in it. The lads are talking, Claudio, Benedict, Don Pedro. They mm. are looking at Benedict and they're kind of saying, oh, has he changed a little bit? And they mentioned that he's been, I think they mentioned he shaved his beard, actually. He looks y- younger by a beard or, or something <laughs> like that, they say. So, but they're trying to figure out if he's in love, basically. Um, so driving the plot a little bit, but then towards the end of the scene, John comes yeah. in and this is where it picks up. Um, because John he's... says, I've got something to say, Pedro, but I, I suppose it's okay Claudio. for Claudio. So, yeah, he says, yeah, so he says, Pedro, I want to talk to you, but I suppose it's okay for Claudio to overhear and then turns directly to Claudio and starts speaking to him and basically says, and oh yeah, you're going to marry Hero. She's uh, unfaithful. Yep, she's been talking to this guy outside her window, which is apparently showing that she's unfaithful for talking to someone. Yeah, it's the late sign time. of the times. But we don't actually see that yeah. scene, which I think is the biggest flaw of the whole play. We don't see this actually happen. They just tell us that it happened. I know. it. I mean, I feel like that would have taken another act just to set up, though. Maybe, but they could have cut out should. all the Dogberry and Verges stuff. <laughs> now the first the introduction of dogberry i will say is probably the slowest scene in the entire play i can get through any other scene pretty quickly uh whether it be loving it or just looking forward to the next scene yeah the dogberry one for us it was right after intermission where they introduced them and i feel like if it's right after intermission you got to bring us back in you have to really hook us with something that's fun. That's why usually at the beginning of like a musical for the second half, they would have a really, really exciting, energetic song to get yeah. everyone back into it. And we just start with Dogberry just being like, all right, you guys are now helping me. Uh, I was so don't... confused. Like, why yeah. are we, where are we? What's going on? Is this a different play? A different like... play? Yeah. <laughs> Now, Dogberry, he's given a quirk that he just mistakes words. And that's kind of it. Yeah, he, he says the opposite word that he's meaning to say a lot of the time. Um, and that's that's his humor. And it is kind of funny. Like, I don't I don't want to downplay it. it, it I think he's a, he's a funny character, to be honest. Yeah, he's the first clown you've been able to actually somewhat enjoy, which is already yeah. fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so like, I, I was happy with that. I I don't dislike I it. I just don't know why he's there. I think it's the direction for the version we saw. Which, if anyone's interested, uh, you can find it as yeah, Love's Labor's One on Marquee.tv. Not a sponsor, but I think it's worth knowing. Yeah, I mean, I I would certainly recommend that version. So uh, that's absolutely. So yeah, Act Three, Scene Three is the is the scene that we're essentially talking about. Uh, they introduce the watch. It is quite funny because the watch keeps saying, well, what do we do? And they say, well, you know, if you see a thief, what do we do? And they say, <laughs> I'll let him, I love this, one of my favorite lines, and say, let him prove his character and steal out of your company, as in just let him slip away. And, yeah. you know, they kind of say, well, can we not put our hands on him and stop him? And they say, well, you could do technically, but it would always pollute you to be involved with a thief. So just leave him alone, you know? <laughs> so mm. they're, the, they're the watch, but they're not meant to actually <laughs> apprehend any criminals because it would, well, like... That's why them. they would be called the watch. Yeah, you just watch them do. They things. just watch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But luckily, they do actually do their jobs. No thanks to Dogberry and Virgis just being kind of useless. Yeah, uh, they actually dis disengage. Um, they ignore the instructions and they actually do a good job as the watch, and they they apprehend yeah. Baratshu and Conrad. Yeah. Now we're not there yet. I think this is Act Four. But when Dogberry comes back on to tell uh, Leonardo right before the wedding, or is that uh, here in Act Three, the wedding? So yeah, that's essentially this one's just under two hundred lines, and that's essentially what we have. They apprehend uh, Conrad and Boraccio. The funny thing is, and I am skipping ahead a little bit. The watch apprehend them for good reasons, and um, but what, by the time we yeah. get on a little bit we realize that Dogbury and Verges completely do not understand those reasons and uh, sort of arrest them for totally different reasons. Um, but we'll... Yeah. I mean, they do say that they were plotting against Claudio, which it sounds like is treason, basically. Um, but yeah, before they do talk with Leonardo, you just have the scene with the uh, hero Beatrice uh, just you know, getting ready for the wedding, basically. Yeah, it's just kind of slaughtered in here in the middle of this. It's a little bit out of place. It's only about 90 lines, a brief scene. 
where the girls just chat and essentially yeah they are they are just getting ready for the wedding having a bit of girl I mean, chat yeah i consider it a little bit of character development i think i'm fine with it it's not really that important but my only problem is that it's slotted in between the two scenes with the watch maybe if they just don't start or you know before or after i find it weird to have it in the middle you know but it doesn't doesn't really matter i feel like yeah if they were you'd have to connect it in a different way i feel because mm. you can I mean, just like, end it's fine and start the next one with that yeah but, because it's a different day, right? It's at night to day. Yeah, I suppose. But maybe I'm being pedantic. I suppose it's fine. And we wrap up at yeah. three with a very, very short uh, scene five to about 50 lines. And essentially, Dobry and Virgis come after Leonardo now. And he says, look, I'm busy with the wedding. Go take the, you know, deal with it yourself. Do the kind of imposition or take the depositions yourself. Um, yep. In the play that I have here, as I say, it's 50 lines. It's very brief and it lacks personality. In the version we watched, this was a long and funny scene. Yep. Uh, you have Pedro, he's just trying to, or sorry, Leonardo, he's just trying to get away and like, hey guys, I gotta go. And Dogberry just keeps interrupting him. And uh, I don't think it's like gags necessarily, but it's because I feel like the director and each of these characters knows Shakespearean language so well. Yes. They, they're able to then read into it a bit more. And I looked up the training that they were doing for this before, like to prepare for this play. And what they were doing is they were trying to say the lines basically how we would say them today, right? Not going for like the over the top, like melodramatic type of expression here. Sure. It's basically like, uh, it's just trying to make it, I don't know, down to earth type of people that things that you would normally hear. And I, I think that it's done superbly. I was so disappointed when I read this scene and I realized it's just this little 50 scene, fifty line by the number scene after the funny version we watched, which, I mean, we actually sympathize with Leonardo because dog, he says the dog breeze <laughs> tedious and he is, and even we're kind he of like, is. okay, come on, get to the point, you know? Yes. And if it's only 50 lines, it's like, that's nothing. Like, that's really, no. that'll take like five minutes if that. Yeah, this version feels like it's an unimportant scene, whereas, okay, it's not important, but I suppose the version we watched, it just seemed like a bigger scene, you know? So any improvements in the in the, the version we saw, I think are for the better. I generally agree, yeah. And now well, the scene that... Because we're always downhill. So the reason yeah. I said the second half is bad, I mean, so far I've actually said good things about it. I just feel like the scenes of the watch were good but irrelevant. Um. Now, from Act 4, this is when I think it starts to kind of annoy me morally, <laughs> I should say. Yeah, and he here's where I'm not going to necessarily disagree, but then I will disagree in some other areas. Yeah, and that's cool. So, yeah, this is the wedding. This and is the wedding, the wedding. Starts off very poorly. Um, yeah, so I mean, initially there's a little joke, which I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. Um, when they say, are you here to marry this lady? And he says, no. And then the guy goes, oh, well, of you're course. To marry um, her you're, too. Yeah. You're not here to marry her. You're here. The friar is marrying her. You're getting married to her. And I thought, oh, okay, well, technically that's right, even though it's not how we say it nowadays. Yeah. So I'm going to start correcting everyone when they say they're getting married. Oh, did you get <laughs> ordained? Uh, yeah, there you go. So people will love me. <laughs> Exactly. Just make sure you uh, correct their grammar too. Yeah. You know, um, people love that. Yes. yes. So this is a long scene. I think it's like 330 lines. Like it's a good long scene. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're to right. be honest, it's the most act four is two scenes. The second one's brief. So it's, it's really, a, it is a one scene act mostly. Everyone's in the church and <laughs> I guess I'll give the I'll give the brief summary here. Claudio decides that he has heard, although we don't see it, this business about Margaret pretending to be hero and um, Baraccio or whichever one it is going out and pretending to be then be Claudio, so that when it's overheard, it looks like heroes talking to someone else at night. Right? I'm almost imagining a Romeo and Juliet balcony scene, but with like with another guy. <laughs> kind of is yeah yeah that would have actually been very interesting to see if shakespeare could then parody shakespeare with yeah. that balcony scene so i do actually agree with you now that that would have been nice to add that type of scene in yeah i don't know why it's sure. not but look it's it's fine you know 
it will will accept that it's not there. What I don't understand is Claudio then says his intention is not to be married. So I have two problems straight away. Number one, why doesn't he talk to her first of all and ask you yes. know, what's going on? <laughs> but number two, even if he's decided, you know what, I don't even care what's going on. I don't want to marry her. Why does he go to the church and go through yeah. with the ceremony just to humiliate her in front of everyone? <laughs> because it is entirely to humiliate her. And no, my big problem with it is, okay, Don John was just caught lying about uh, Don Pedro trying to steal Hero for himself. Now you're trusting him to say all this other stuff about Hero being untrustworthy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is wrong true. with you, Claudio? <laughs> like, you're and an they idiot. don't like Don John, so I don't know why they trust him so easily. Exactly. Like, you are... I understand why you would trust Iago, right? It makes perfect sense. Honest Iago, of course. Y- yeah. But nobody likes Don John. Why is he there? Like, it, it's, it's so annoying. But yeah, basically the scene, like you have Claudio confront Hero saying that you have been untrustworthy. He somehow uh, gets Leonardo to believe it. But he's and... so vile. He's so vicious as well. <laughs> he doesn't say, like, I heard these rumors, what's going on? He just goes off on her. Like, he's really mean. <laughs> yeah, like, this is your daughter. Um, okay. Now, I am trying to take myself to the time period and I see, like, all right, if this were to happen, yeah, the father probably would have disowned his daughter. Murder might be a bit far, but uh, I don't know. Uh, again, stealing 5P at the time would have gotten you killed. Mm. Um, so, look, my first problem is yeah. that Claudio shows... Because, you know, if I loved someone, I was about to marry them, and I heard something bad about them... I mean, sure, like, would it just delay the wedding? Would it cancel? But I wouldn't just immediately turn to hatred, you know? Like, you're <laughs> supposed to be in love with them. Like, but he's just like, well, she's essentially dead to him already, you know? And well, it, that's shocking love, to me. The love here, and for the most part, love in Shakespeare, and probably even at the time, it was just based on beauty, right? Mm, I suppose. So it was, yeah, she's beautiful. I want to marry her. Uh, she's also very good at, like, sewing and cooking and stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Leonardo now believes this about his daughter, and now I'm annoyed again because he's like, "Well, with with zero evidence, you yes. know, it's hearsay based on other hearsay." And he's just like, "Okay, I hate my daughter, and she swoons and appears to be dead." And he's just like, "I hope she never gets up." Like he wants his daughter to be dead, and I'm so horrified. It's so extreme now. You were saying like, ah, oh, she. There's no way she would be dead. But I'm thinking like, you know, in Shakespeare, it kind of makes sense. Uh, it does. But if this had been me yeah. though, and I'd had a, you know, I'd said, look, I'm not going to marry you. I heard that you're a, you know, a bit of a strumpet or whatever they would have said back then. And I storm out of the church, and someone came to me five minutes later and said, oh, she's just died in there. I'd be like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> how? Yeah. Why yeah. is she broken, dead? Broken heart, even though she barely knows him um yeah yeah now the part we disagreed on probably or will disagree on probably the most it it comes up later everyone else has left the church uh claudio has no remorse he doesn't have much remorse throughout the play until that is also shocking that he doesn't even care that she's dead yeah oh actually before that i want to say uh the the friar friar. i really like the friar here he's like Guys, you're insane. Just <laughs> calm down. What the hell? This is your daughter. At least let her have a trial. Yeah, although what I found interesting was he's basing all this on, I saw her blush like a maiden, therefore she couldn't possibly have cheated on you. And he just like stakes his reputation on it. You know, like he just, he's had very little evidence either. Like everyone is really very extreme in their convictions here. Yeah, I, maybe just because it's the friar, he wants to believe in the good in people and stuff, and it, it's mm. probably some analogy towards the church. And uh, Yeah, maybe. But as yeah. always, Hero barely defends herself. When directly asked, she says, I didn't talk to anyone, and then she swoons. Like, she, she doesn't yeah. say, like, what the hell's going on, guys? You know, like, she doesn't give him an outburst, which I would expect any modern human to do. She just stands there and takes it, and then almost dies. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a bit strange, and I feel like 
this is probably one of the slower scenes. The Dogberry stuff gets really slow, but this is probably next up on the list. Yeah, because the second half of this, it's kind of slow now. I want, you know, after the friar has his interjection, they're just kind of like yeah. chatting a little bit. The friar says a big long monologue at one point of like good 50 lines yeah. or something. I feel like once everybody leaves, though, Benedict and Beatrice being here and talking with each other, I actually do kind of enjoy it. Um, I feel like they have some more chemistry here. They connect better. And this is what I was saying where we disagree. This is where we're lost. Yeah. I understand why Beatrice basically says, yeah, can you kill him? Well, I like their their tete-a-tete, okay? I think it's good for their characters to have this little scene mm. here because you haven't had them alone in a while. But here's my problem. We've talked about this before, about this, like, don't test your partner and things. And Benedict basically says, like, I want to profess my love to you now. And I think, brilliant. We're, it's all going the right way. And she's like, yeah, I would do the same thing, but I do need you to do something for me. Uh, and he's, he actually says, like, you know, I give you my hand or something. And just, well, you should use your hand to declare your love in other ways than just presenting it to me. You should kill Claudio. And he's kind of outraged by this at first, but is easily persuaded, you know, man being easily persuaded by the woman he loves to, to do this. But the problem is she's asking him to commit a murder and kill Claudio, which could then also, like, you know, wind with him in jail. Like, I just feel like that's a... Mm. I don't like ben, I don't like Beatrice anymore. <laughs> so the part where I agree with you, it's testing your lover. I I do have to say that you are correct on that. It is pretty indefensible in this case, I feel. Um, the part where I would disagree, though, is that I understand why she wants him to kill Claudio, though. Like, if she were to do it in any better way, I could understand it. Like, uh, he has made her family look terrible. If this gets out that... Mm. Um, their family is just like willing to sleep with everybody. It would just ruin their reputation within society. And so Ooh, yeah. I feel like if this were a legitimate duel, then I think that uh, it would make more sense. Well, but she's saying like to prove your love, now you got to kill someone. No, 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 no. How about I love you too? Can we together kill him? Mm. That would make a bit more sense. Yeah, look, I get why she's unhappy because Claudio said all these horrible things and essentially left Hero for dead and, you know, doesn't give a damn. Yeah, I, I, It would be okay the- to say you hate him. It would almost be okay to say, like, oh, I wish he was dead. But to actually commission the murder feels a step too far, you know? <laughs> Again, I think it's like Shakespeare. It, it just makes sense to me in yeah. this play. So I, I'm fine with that part but for the most part. good guy but Benedict yeah. doesn't, you know, try to kill Claudio unawares. He just challenges him to a yeah. duel. Yeah, Benedict is somehow the best character. Yeah, which which is shocking from the first scene, right? <laughs> yeah, but Beatrice is happy enough. Himself, probably. Yeah, Beatrice is happy enough that she's challenged him to a duel, even though he could die, and I, I felt sad for him there. Yeah, yeah. Why would you want that to you happen? Know? Like, can it just be like a Macbeth type thing? Just kill him in his sleep. Yeah. Right. We there is a, I said there was a short second scene in Act 4, and we're back with Dogbury and Virgis and Baraccio and the Watch and everyone, but they've now found a sexton, and this is the scene in the... Again, this is a lot longer and better in the version we watched. Here it's about 70 lines. The version we watched, they're getting up and they're turning the table around and they're walking around it, and it's, it's, it's got good visual comedy. It um, does. Here it's just, you know, here are their lines. Let's move on to the last act. And um, as a director, you want that to happen i feel because if it's just listening to this this is where you lose people yeah so to to add that to it you're keeping people connected because the director knows that this scene is going to lose people yeah so he knows he has to add something which is the benefit of experience that maybe shakespeare didn't realize you know that this scene would lose people but i mean you can say that about a lot of like movies a movie can be ruined by a bad director with good writing right or good writing can then be like bad writing can then be saved by a good director stuff like that yeah that's fair so uh, the only salient point here is it's funny because the watch have overheard so the, the, these guys are basically admitting very freely and easily now they don't try to protect on <laughs> john it's like oh yeah he told us to do all this stuff even though actually Baraccio had some of the ideas he's like yeah look, don john told us to do all this terrible stuff so you know screw him 
And the Watch have caught on to this and they, they've arrested them for being involved. But Dogbury and Virgis, they think the crime is slandering Don John, not what Don John has done. Or, you know, they're like, that's funny to me. It's, it is kind of funny. Yeah. I like that they are willing to turn. It makes everything just easier. And this is what you want to happen as someone viewing it, I feel. It's like, oh, I'm just so tired of, all right, we got to go through the whole interrogation scene. No, it's actually pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, and Dogbury's annoyed that they they call him an ass. <laughs> and they're asking yes. to write that down. <laughs> yes, and that I've been written down an ass. <laughs> and it comes up later in the next scene, too. Yeah, he brings it up. So, so what have they done? He called me an ass. <laughs> <laughs> so we move on to Act 5. Uh, we got four scenes here. Scene 1 mm. is, again, the the longest, the main scene of the play. It's, again, about 3.30 lines. So it's, it's you know, half on its own. Um, we enter with Leonardo and Antonio, who really hasn't d- done anything the whole play. Um, I don't know why he's in the play, to be honest. Who is he again? Right! Antonio yeah. is the brother of uh, Leonardo, That's I believe. Right. But he doesn't the do brother, anything. The old man. He's the one who's only here because he has a daughter, supposedly. Like, that's the only thing that Shakespeare does with him. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, uh, you have a daughter now, and I'm going to uh, put her up for marriage, as we will see later on. Uh... So, look, they talk to Leonardo. Antonio is consoling him a little bit in the opening lines. And then Claudio and the the chaps come in. uh, Claudio and Don Pedro. Don Pedro, all, all the whole time, is a kind of neutral peacekeeping character, which I like. Yeah, but Claudio comes in and just chats away like nothing's wrong, and Leonardo's really annoyed. He's kind of like, "What's the problem?" It's like, "Well, you said all these horrible things about my daughter, and now she's dead, and then you just come in the next day and you're like, oh, how's it going, mate?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Claudio doesn't get it. He's like, "Well, who wrongs him? Like, what's what's going on?" <laughs> Mary, thou dost wrong me. Thou dissembler, thou. <laughs> they never lay their hand upon thy sword. I fear thee not. This really made me hate Claudio. (laughs) Yes. Like, he is such a terrible character. How does he... Uh, Now, he does see his wrong kind of later on, but only when it's... Only when it works out okay. Yeah. Here, he's like, my villainy? Like, you say wrong, old man. Like, I haven't done anything. Like, yeah. You could come to some sort of agreement here. At least, like... To not ruin their household or kill the daughter. Yeah. And they're having the so they're all having a bit of an argument. Um and then enter Benedict. And they saw, you know, just the the person yeah. that we were, were Benedict we're basically going to see. gives the dare or he gives the challenge to Claudio. Yeah. Uh, they don't do it right now the though, which is yeah. uh, which is fortuitous. <laughs> Otherwise yeah. one of them would yeah. be dead. <laughs> Maybe both. Who knows? Shakespeare likes potentially both dead or or at least wounded. Um, yeah. But now we find out. So this is the line: "Runs not the speech like iron through your blood." And um, Baraccio and Dogbury and Co. come in, and they. This is the reveal, right? This is the reveal scene where they say, "Ah, oh, Don John planned the whole thing, and you know, here's what happened." And Margaret was dressed up like hero and everything else, and you know. And now Claudius says, I've drunk poison whilst he uttered it. And now they act like it's all Don John's fault, which, look, yeah. he did a bad thing, but he didn't owe anything to Claudio, right? He didn't owe anything to Hero. They were engaged and owed a bond of trust to each other, and Claudio is a bad person. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, that's, that's fair. Um, now, I do feel like as the instigator, though, Don John is still is still liable for anything that happens afterwards. You think so? This is a very philo- I feel like this could be a very philosophical discussion. Mm. Like, is Claudio some or is Don John somewhat to blame for Claudio's actions for then starting these thoughts in his head? I want to say no. I mean, what he does is he arranges this little ruse. People, well, he arranges a little ruse where people dress up, which isn't a crime or you know anything like that. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. I'm not saying he's a good person, but Claudio could have asked for like some evidence or spoken with Hero, got her testimony. 
he leaves her for dead, you know, he humiliates her and leaves her for dead. And I don't think that was called for. And I think he's much, you know, he is to blame 10 times more than Don John is. And, you know, if I'm hero, yeah, I might be annoyed at Don John, but I'm heartbroken by Claudio, the man who supposedly loves me. Yeah. You know, I'm fair. I, I, you know? I can see that being fair. Now, I wonder then, that seems very similar then with Othello because like Iago didn't really do anything physically. He just put these thoughts into the Moor's head. And mm, yeah, I feel like Othello you're right. the one who killed Desdemona. You're right, so, but I think that play, in a sense, it's a, I don't know if it's a better play, but that particular <laughs> thing is done better, right? You feel like Iago is a bit more of a master manipulator and he's convincing Othello, sure. and you can almost see Othello going sure. a bit crazy with it. Whereas John John just does a thing and then disappears. You know, he's he's yeah, no one. He's not a manipulator. <laughs> but then why does he flee? He flees the country. He flees the country. I don't he's gonna get in trouble, I guess. Because all the yeah. characters now, they're just friends again. And they're just like, yes, it's all because of Don John. And it's I guess it's easy to just have a scapegoat who's gone, right? So like, yeah. now we just go back I mean, to normal. He is the one who plotted it all. So I get why he would be the scapegoat. I don't. Uh, scapegoat feels like he'd be he'd be innocent. Anyway. Sorry, yeah, yeah. He's not quite a scapegoat, but it's just an easy thing to put all the blame on and and you know act like everybody yeah. else is fine again. You know, I do like to an extent. I don't necessarily like where they go with it, but I do like that uh, once Dogberry shows that um, Hero was totally innocent. That they're like, all right, we're gonna have to punish Claudio now. I'm like, yeah, do it. <laughs> he deserves it. But his Claudio punishment is now to marry says he'll someone mourn hero. else. Claudio will yeah. only now mourn hero after she's innocent, which I don't like. You know, you're supposed to love this girl. But you're right, they do punish Claudio a little bit by going through <laughs> a bit of nonsense. It is entirely not. I don't know how I feel about the ending. No, I don't know so either. We're getting there, but so, yeah, he's basically forced to marry somebody. Uh, and it looks like it's Antonio's daughter that he'll be forced to marry. He doesn't know who this person is, and she's like, "All right, yeah, that's my punishment. I'll just have to marry this random person that I don't love." Yeah. So that that's scene four. I will just quickly. There's two short scenes in between where not a massive amount happens, but just for the sake of kind of wrapping up. Um, scene two: Benedict and Margaret are talking, and then Beatrice comes in, and. I mean, not a massive amount happens, but I think this is where they realize that each other has written each each other <laughs> letters. And I do like the love letter. In love, so that's kind of, you know, nice. Um, it's about 100 lines. And then scene three is only 30 lines, so it's really nothing. Um, but it's Dom Pet. It's inside the church again, and it's the funeral scene. They go ahead and hold the funeral for Hero, <laughs> who is not really dead. Spoilers. Uh, and we're on to scene well we're on the last scene so yeah we're on the end now we're at the last scene just over 100 lines it wraps up very quickly but it as you say it's interesting they're bringing a bunch of girls they're all masked we don't know why because they say this is the right one will you marry her sort of sight unseen and claudio feels this debt for his wrongness and he's like yes i will and then of course she looks exactly like hero and they say oh yeah because um you know it's uh her identical twin cousin i guess yeah so this is where we differed again you think that potentially he doesn't know that it's actually her and i'm thinking like oh they they have to know that it's her and it's just like their way around it they're just speaking around it so that it's but then why would they go to the, why would they hold a funeral and everything why wouldn't they yeah, just the, say you know okay, this is really Hero. They hold a funeral for Hero, and she says Hero is, you know, he says, he looks at her and says, another Hero? And she says, like, yeah, one is dead, but, like, I am another, or someone like that. And the, I don't get reason, it. The reason I see it, it's to prolong his punishment. It's to make him feel even worse, like he has to mourn for her death and feel bad about it. Maybe. But and now, officially, he's married to, like, officially, Leonardo is not his father-in-law, Antonio is and like the whole <laughs> thing is a mess right uh, was it for political gain or anything I I don't know she had a good um, uh, she had a lot of money actually she, she was an heiress and we don't know if the, the niece is an heiress so it, it's unusual there's one little detail this is not important but it confused me when we watched it and it confused me again when I read it um, 
because obviously we've got this interesting scene with where you know he's marrying the niece and everything right and it's not really the mm. niece i got the two love stories mixed up because benedict and beatrice are talking and there's a weird line where they mention um that she they basically say that beatrice loves benedict and, and ben, benedict says to leonardo like i like the way she looks at me or something like that and he says she got it from her sister and it's a weird line because I'm thinking, hold on, is this the cousin thing? Is this is this hero and the other? No, I don't understand why that line is in the play. It it just caused me like a massive amount of confusion twice. <laughs> I don't remember that line at all. The one where we got confused was, so they love each other and then they realize that it was kind of all faked and then they do love, they don't love each other and then they do love each other. And I, they're really going back and forth. I feel like in the last scene, yeah, they do, but they do end up together no. in the end. Um, so that's fine, but there's just this, this weird little line. I can't even find it now looking through the notes, but it just confused me when I watched it. I remember saying to you, like, oh, is this because he thinks it's the other girl? It's not really Hero. And you said, no, that's the other couple. And then when I read it, the same thing happens. I'm like, why did they put this weird line in? Um, but look, it doesn't matter. Uh, something that I read at the very end here that I don't remember watching is at the very, very end a messenger comes in and says, we've captured Don John. Was that in the version we watched? I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's the first time something was left out. There was, uh, there were a couple lines changed and a couple lines left out for the version we watched. So they weren't in an orchard. So they left out the orchard line. Um, and they use like the curtain, right? Oh yeah. But like, uh, as we said, most like of the that. changes we felt were improvements. Um, this is the yeah. first time where I feel something's missing, you know? Um, yeah, I don't remember Benedict saying, think not on him till tomorrow. I'll devise uh, the brave punishments for him. Strike mm. up pipers. Like that part. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. I think it ends with, like, get thee a wife, get thee a wife. Yeah. So Benedict and, and you know, Beatrice are going to get together. That's the happy ending. And then I literally have enter a message. They're the ones we care about. John is taken in flight. So they got him. The end. <laughs> Just literally I mean, two that's lines. also really good. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. I don't know. Uh, Do we even care that they've captured even... John? Like, what crime has he actually committed? Like, what are they charging him with? You know, incitement. Just not being nice. Like, <laughs> hey, they could kill for less back then, probably. This is true. Who knows? And look, that's it. Uh, bar one yeah. or two moral qualms. I think it's a fantastic play. I just, I, w- yeah. I wish they had no like left hero for dead, and then I don't know if they think they're married to hero or if they think they're married to a secondary hero. And you know, so this I, brings me, this brings me back to the previous question I asked that I don't think I ever got a necessary or necessarily got an answer for it. Um, so, do you think the play could have been cut in half? That it was focused only on Benedict and Beatrice, and we could have skipped the Dogberry stuff. Yes. We could have skipped the stuff with Hero, and yeah. I, Definitely, I like... we could have skipped all the dogberry stuff for sure. Even though it's funny, you know, it's irrelevant. We could have skipped all that. Yeah. That's that's essentially the equivalent of one act gone already. And then, as it's, you say, it's you know... necessary to figure out the issues so mm. that Claudio feels bad, basically. But we could have I had like, like the first two scenes, the first two acts, and then just like a little act wrapping it all up. I just I feel like there's a lot of unnecessary stuff in it, you know. Yeah, basically, basically. You could have had, instead of the conflict from Don John for the second half, you could have had the conflict from the relationship with Beatrice Biddick because that's the main thing I want to watch for. They're so interesting and so fun as a couple. Like, I want more of them on stage. I want more of their wit. And I recommend reading or watching this because it comes across in both. Their wit is brilliant. (laughs) It's the best wit I've seen in any of Shakespeare. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I have some moral qualm, qualms with Claudio and things. Whereas Benedict, we think that he's going to be bad at the beginning. He turns out to be, in, in a way, the, the best guy in the play, um, yeah. other than maybe Don Pedro. And I, I even go off Leonardo because he just curses his daughter and hopes that she never wakes up without any evidence, you know? <laughs> so, But he also goes, he does a 180 pretty quickly. No, hold on. The... He does, but briefly, when she gets awake, he says he'll tear her with his own hands if the accusations turn out to be true. At the, I'm, I'm thinking at the wedding, yeah. But afterwards, he's the one who's wagging his finger at Claudio. Oh, like, yeah, it's easy scene. to blame someone like, else. <laughs> okay, that's a pretty quick 180 you did there. Well, maybe. Mm, but yeah, it's a very good play. Not, let's, let's not, you know, 
Yeah. Let's not make too much out of a, a small issue. It's a very, very good yeah. play. I, uh, this was my third or fourth time watching it. Uh, I've read it only once, but it's fantastic. That It is the best comedy to me. Um, I did not realize that. Like, I went into this thinking it was just, you know, what because there's so many, and you pick out your couple that you like, and the rest hmm. are just going to blend into one. And for me, this yep. was just part of the cluster, you know? Um, and now I'm like, oh, hold on. This one really stands out in a way that I did not remember. Yeah, yeah. You got like Wives of Windsor and stuff. Like, no. Yeah, yeah. I just thought them. it was part of that, you know? But yeah. no, it's really good. I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you liked it. I feel like uh, people either really, really love it or they put it in like the middle, like you said. Yeah. I've never really met anyone who's like despising it. I've heard one or two people say, like, yeah, they don't really like the sarcasm. I'm like, but it's so funny. How do you yeah, not like it? Yeah, if you don't it? like the sarcasm, then you're the problem, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, so they're the ones to blame, not Claudio. Well, uh, we can share the blame. So that's okay. the last Shakespeare we're going to do for a while. And there's still there's still more. Yes. Uh, if you don't know this, Shakespeare wrote a lot of plays. Uh, so we always come, come back to some in the future. But uh, we'll leave it there for now. We've done a bunch of miscellaneous plays, um, and we might do one or two more of those. And then the plan is we're going to do a bunch of Greek plays. I showed it to um, earlier, so we'll we'll do some of those throughout uh, 2023. But I think that the the next one that you and I, I will do together ask, is that Death of a Salesman. Is Death of a Salesman? Yeah, you finished my sentence Lovely. for me. Yes. Now we get married because we have chemistry. We're both single, so. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we'll do we'll do Death of a Salesman, um, and I, PJ and I will also do a little one act Irish play. I don't, I don't know why. And uh, right, yeah. so look forward to Death of a Salesman. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it. I'm really interested to see what you think of it because you don't generally like American literature, and this one I feel like is up there with some of Steinbeck type of novels, but even better, I think. Um, I don't know. It's one I had to study while I was in high school. And I really appreciated it at the time. So okay, well, we'll we'll look forward to that. I, I mean, I look forward to reading it because um, I've heard of it, you know, like for many years. Um, so it's one of those ones that it's like, I'm, yeah, I'm happy to finally get around yeah. to it. You know, I don't I don't know if it's going to end up being like Much Ado About Nothing or more like Streetcar Named Desire. So ah, uh, yeah, I didn't, didn't love that one. Yeah, I, as long as it's, it's not going to be a to see. I will fight you on that one. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, um, have yourselves a Shakespearean day. And because it's the last Shakespeare for a while, I'm going to play the outro. Guys, have a Shakespearean day. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.